This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. We are recording on Friday morning, January 13th, for our first legislative session update. I am your host, Erin Hart, Communications Director at Gender Justice, and I'm so excited to have Jessica Nyman, our Civic Engagement Director, with us today for Gender Justice, and Abina Abraham, our Campaign Director for Unrestrict Minnesota. Hi, Jessica and Abina. Hello, good morning. Good morning. We are all a little bit tired today because it has been super intense couple of weeks at the legislative session and a lot is going on on our issues. So I'd like to start with you, Jessica, if you could sort of walk us through what happened at the legislature, what bills were introduced first, particularly around abortion. Yeah, so I think potentially be easier to talk about what hasn't happened in the past two weeks since the start of session. Just because it feels like there has been a lot of movement and typically the start of session is is relatively quiet. Folks are getting in their bills. Priorities are being, you know, made by the caucus leaders, but there has been an, a lot of urgency around moving abortion related legislation quickly, you know, understanding the the urgency of the moment and, you know, the essentially the mandate that legislators got after this last election with folks turning out in strong numbers around the issue of abortion. And so there has been a lot of movement very quickly and in a way that is not necessarily custom or not custom, but not usually seen at the legislature, especially as a new, as new, as new folks are coming in to a new biennium, you know, the house and Senate, they typically will introduce bill, the first set of bills will be indications of their top priorities. So in both the House and Senate, their number one priority, House File 1 and Senate File 1, is the PRO Act. And that was introduced by Carly Cotiza-Watoon in the House, and then Senator Jen McEwen from Duluth in the Senate. And this bill is one that we have as part of our, our leadership agenda and one that we've been participating in. It would essentially put in place a statutory right, fundamental right to choosing what healthcare option is best for, is best for you as a Minnesotan. Is it an abortion? Is it to continue a pregnancy? Making sure that folks have the full suite of reproductive options in front of them to make the best choice for them and their family. Um, And so that has moved very quickly. It had its first hearing, um, let's see, last week, Thursday. I'm not even sure what date that is at this point, but it was, it moved relatively soon and it was the, one of the first hearings that we saw at the legislature. You know, not surprisingly, while we had a lot of really strong support and a lot of amazing testimony from providers and patients alike, you know, not surprisingly, we saw a lot of folks who opposed this measure turn out and provide their own testimony. We've seen a lot of amendments that have been put forward by folks who do not support abortion rights. And a lot of them are rooted in, you know, sort of historically inflammatory and and misconstrued and misinformation around, you know, what it means to get an abortion, why folks get an abortion, 
the safety of, of getting an abortion. And so I think in addition to making sure that we're telling the story about why abortion rights are so fundamentally important for folks, we've done a lot of work to to set the record straight on what exactly it means to access an abortion if you so need one in Minnesota. Yeah, it was interesting for me. I am my first day at the legislature. You know what? It was a little bit shot. Like I had not had a chance to hear or just sit down and make myself listen to arguments against abortion rights and access. It was interesting back and forth. I thought at the committee hearing for the the chair of the committee, this was the House Health Committee, or and Representative Tina Liebling, be able to also like push back on those, on concerns about the bill, and you know really set the record straight on what what our bills actually do, what the PRO Act does. Yesterday's hearing was on another piece of legislation, which we'll cover in a second. Abina, I wanted to ask you, what has it been like for you at the Capitol? You, I think you testified last week or earlier this week in, in a PRO Act hearing. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen and heard at the legislature and what your testimony was about? I mean, it's definitely a different vibe and feel at the Capitol than we've seen in the last couple of years here in Minnesota. Uh, there's been a lot of gridlock, and so we've just kind of gone to hearings where we've seen both sides just kind of fight with one another. But I've seen a little more unity on the DFL side, just in terms of, you know, folks are supportive. They want to get things done. They want to prove to Minnesotans that, you know, when they vote for that party, that um, things happen for the better in our state. Um, it's been very interesting just to see the other side and how they've organized. Uh, I have seen on our side that we're, we have more diversity in the folks that we bring to the table. So we have communities of color, we have young folks, and I think that the other side's demographics are pretty stale. It's one-sided, it's older, it's, you know, folks that are speaking on behalf of other people versus being like their direct experience. Uh, I testified earlier this week on the PRO Act in the Senate and, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool experience. I was talking just about the fact that it's, it's the first step in ensuring that we're expanding and protecting abortion access here in Minnesota, but there's more that our legislature can do to ensure that people have the right to do what they want to do with their body when they want to do it and free from government interference. So just excited that the tone is is different at the Capitol. I'm um, looking forward to the great work ahead. Yeah. Um, so the PRO Act was introduced first. Um, what is sort of, and then we'll talk about the next bucket of legislation in a second, but what happens next with the PRO Act? So it's um, PRO Act, which as Jessica mentioned, enshrines abortion rights and rights to other reproductive health care. It's passed, it's been heard, my understanding is it's been heard in some committees in the House and also the Senate. What happens next with that bill? You know, there are a few things that have happened since that first hearing and that will happen um, in the House. I believe the bill, and I'm just double checking right now to, to verify, but I believe in the House, the bill has gotten all of its committee hearings completed. The bill needed to be heard in, uh, it started in health finance, it went to judiciary finance, and then it had a stop yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, in state and local government. 
in the house. And I believe that is the last hearing that it needed to have before it gets sent to the the full legislative body in the house to take a final vote. And so we can expect, I would guess, that the bill could come and be heard for for like the final floor vote of the entire House of Representatives as early as next week. In the Senate, it has had it has had two of its three hearings. It needs to have an additional hearing in judiciary. It just was heard yesterday in state government. Um, and so we anticipate, I would, assent, I would assume that we'll hear, we'll, we'll see it in judiciary next week. And then again, a, a floor vote not long after that. Um, folks have been pretty clear at the legislature that this is a top priority and that they want to get it moved quickly within the confines of how our legislative process works, certainly we could potentially see it enacted by the end of the month. What happens uh, at like a floor vote? Are there lots of like speech making that happens or is it pretty much like, oh, you come in and vote and then you go home? There's lots of speeches. There's amendments. There's, and I would assume, you know, that, you know, we've seen, we've seen a number of amendments offered throughout the committee process. Those will likely pick back up on the floor vote. And so, you know, just just if it's helpful, it's sort of a, you know, it can be a difficult process to navigate, especially if you're new to it, but a bill is heard in these committees. Uh, they have discussion, they have speeches, they have testimony from folks, and they have amendments that get voted on. They can be added on um, throughout the process. And then once, you know, once a bill gets heard by each committee, you know, the committee process allows folks to really dig into pieces of the bill that have to do with their committee jurisdiction. So for example, the state and local government, when it comes to the PRO Act, there is a, a subdivision of the bill that um, ensures that, you know, local municipalities cannot further restrict abortion rights, you know, in their in their town, that they have to at least be providing the base, you know, fundamental right to abortion. They can they can provide additional protections and supports for folks seeking abortion, but they can't restrict it. And so because of that, the state and local government dug into that, had a lot of discussions about what that actually means. And so now that that bill has gone through those those committee processes, now it's for the entire, there's 133, I think 133, 134, 134 Minnesota House of Representatives, folks in the Minnesota House of Representatives, and now they all get the opportunity to provide their perspective, to offer amendments, and to debate the bill because not all of those folks get to be a part of the committee process. When the bill is passed out of the House, it will go to the Senate. The Senate will vote on it. And if the Senate doesn't pass any additional amendments to the bill, it is ready to be uh, signed or vetoed by the governor. We, of course, uh, you know, the governor has been very clear that he will sign this bill. Okay, excellent. Thank you. One thing that I thought, like, that impressed me uh, was just that sometimes it's just, I forget that our democracy, you know, you learn about it in school, but it's actually quite accessible in terms of like yesterday, I just showed up at the hearing and was able to like, listen, are the house and Senate like floor votes? Those are not open to the public, right? Or just committee work? Um, They are open to the public. Okay. And it's a little bit of a, it can be a little bit of a different space to navigate. Anyone can do the capital. The, they will debate in the Capitol. You know, folks can't go on the floor where the legislators are. That's sort of a restricted space to the legislators, select staff, and select members of the press. 
but we typically see folks outside of the, the chamber where they vote. Um, it's not unusual to see folks there, um, uh, you know, uh, promoting their and advocating for their their bill, you can you have the opportunity to send in notes to your legislator, and oftentimes they'll come out to have a conversation with you. And then, sort of above where they vote, is a thing called the gallery, and that is open to the public. It just is sort of limited seating, so um, you can you can you are welcome to be in the gallery. It just you may not have a spot to sit. So, but it is available, and of course, all of these things, in addition to being available in person, they're all streaming online so that you can watch them there too. Excellent. Yeah. And we will drop some of those links in the show notes so folks can check that out and join us virtually in committee hearings as well. Abina, next I want to turn to one of our most important pieces of legislation, which is House File 91 slash Senate File 70. Could you introduce that bill for for our folks and uh, sort of where the our bill is at in the legislative process. Sure. So we all know that last July, a district judge struck down some of the abortion restrictions that were in our lawsuit. And to follow that decision, we need to make sure that we take those laws off of the books so that in the event that we don't have a pro-reproductive freedom majority in government, that the next administration cannot just strip away the progress that we've made in this state as it relates to abortion access. And so we have a bill that's moving in the Minnesota legislature right now that would remove those laws off of the books and ensure that, you know, they're gone away forever. Um, so our bill had its first hearing in the House of Representatives yesterday. It'll move to a couple other committees, but it'll also have to be heard in the Senate and move through some committees in the Senate before it's taken to a vote on the House floor and Senate floor. Thank you. I wanted to all ask you, what was it like at the committee hearing yesterday? Who, you know, Unrestrict Minnesota from our coalition and partners that we work with testified yesterday and what perspectives did they bring from our work to the committee? Um, we had providers, patients, uh, parents that joined us at the committee yesterday to testify and share what I would call facts. The other side has come with a lot of misinformation and lies and rhetoric that's, you know, supposed to scare and put fear in Minnesotans about what happens when folks access abortion care. Uh, we also had Shayla from Our Justice who brought the abortion fund uh, perspective to the table as well and kind of shared what folks go through. I think what we're seeing from the other side is that they believe that people just wake up when they're like, you know, 38 weeks and they're like, oh, shoot, I can't afford to have this baby. So I'm just gonna, you know, go, go get an abortion right now. And what we heard from the testifiers on our side and even from the providers that this is a hard decision that people have to make and they put a lot of thought and they consult people that are important to them in their lives before they make these decisions and they like create support networks for them because they that they because they know that this is a hard decision that people come to and so it was great just for legislators to hear directly from these folks and get educated because the other side like speaks with so much conviction that what they're saying is the right thing uh, our side was really respectful in terms of, you know, being open to listen to what other folks had to say. But we saw that at the end, 
of the hearing, folks on the other side were chasing after legislators with cameras, putting propaganda pieces in their face, getting very physical. And so, uh, as always, we were prepared and supported folks in making sure that they got out safely and checked and they were checked in on to make sure that they were okay before uh, leaving the Capitol. Yeah, it is. It is so unfortunate that um, that those things happen. And I'm really glad that that we were prepared. Can I say one more thing about that? Too? Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I noticed, you know, I think it can be a difficult thing to tell your story to a room full of people. Um, that's why we take a lot of care into supporting our testifiers, helping them craft their testimony, making sure that they have what they need, that they know where they need to go, that we're meeting them ahead of time so that they are not having to go through this process with any type of questions or they have a partner to do that with. And it was, it's also, there's something really energizing about being in a room of folks. Yes, there are folks who are fairly aggressive and have some pretty inflammatory things to say that are, uh, you know, untrue and are meant to evoke a lot of fear and deep emotions. But there's also a lot of folks there who are so, uh, so clearly aware of how important it is to access abortion care. And, uh, you know, as Abina was saying, you know, there were folks who were, you know, videotaping the authors and trying to get in their face. And, you know, like immediately as that was happening, there were like a handful of folks who are supporting this bill who got, you know, who got in between the the more aggressive folks on the anti side and the author to make sure that folks were safe and secure. Everybody was in conversation on on our side about how we're making sure that we're getting folks out in a safe way. And so like, there's a lot of there, there can be a lot of really intense energy from antis who are trying to stoke fear. But there's also this really sort of amazing energy and connectivity between folks on our side who are there to support each other and to make sure that everybody feels safe and feels like they have the strength of a community behind them. Also, it reminds me of the rally that we had in July, how intentional uh, the community was about safety, security, and not just like physical safety and security, but also, you know, mental, emotional support for people participating and speaking. Jessica, I realized that today is actually uh, your last podcast with us. It's your last day at Gender Justice. And wanted to make sure that we thank you for all the amazing work that you've done with us this election season and legislative session really set us up for success during a super busy time. Uh, do you have any sort of insights or thoughts that you want to share Maybe we'll have to have you back on the podcast in a couple months to do a little look back. Um, but yeah, what is this sort of like season felt like for you if you like lump the election work and legislative session together? Or is it still just a blur that you're processing? It's, you know, there's a lot to process, but I think the clearest piece that we've got out of the work between the election and where we're at now is that there, you know, there is a clear and deep desire um, on the part of Minnesotans to protect their ability to access whatever reproductive care they're looking for. And that is, and they do not want the government intruding in those medical decisions and that uh, they want to make sure that folks are protected and that folks are not harassed or, 
you know, prosecuted for either having an abortion or helping others get an abortion. And that was really a clear line through our election work um, as we talked to folks on the door, um, the election night results and where we're at now. Um, it is my last my last podcast, but um, all of the work that has been done up until this point is now in the very capable hands of an amazing team at Gender Justice who is going to keep pushing forward. This start to session has been fast and furious and I've maybe maybe my 13th session at this point and what has felt like the craziest because of how fast things have moved but it is it is also the first step it is sort of the foundation of how we move forward it is establishing that a right to abortion care exists and and removing restrictions that currently um, exist in state law so that we can continue to move forward with how we continue with how we expand abortion care for everyone in Minnesota, how we protect patients and providers more, more thoroughly. And that work will continue this session. And so this is, it's been fast and it will get done. And I'm really excited to see where some of our additional bills go over the next few months um, because the will is there and the team is strong. Um, and so I can't wait to see what happens next. And Abina, in terms of uh, our what's next, do you feel like the session will continue to be this busy? I don't want you to, no spoiler alerts or giving anything away, but we do have more legislation coming. Is that right? And some community organizer events. Yep. Yes, we expect session to continue to move pretty rapidly. We've heard from the leaders that they really want to deliver for Minnesotans and ensure that the years of gridlock that we've experienced, we make up for that by moving some pretty dope policy. So we'll continue to be at the Capitol. We'll continue to be exhausted and (laughs) running around and fighting Cheez-Its and other snacks to eat in between hearings. So you'll be hearing more from us on the podcast about other policy that we're moving forward. And also you'll be hearing from our organizers as well as they continue to plan events in the community to inform people on what's going on and also to hear from Minnesotans on what it is that they really want to see pushed further in this session. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we have an event coming up on January 21st in Minneapolis. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Okay. I will link, I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes for folks who are listening to this before January 21st, 2023 in Minneapolis from 12 to 3 p.m. Our amazing organizers, Jay and Artisha will be there as well as some speakers and talking about how folks can plug into the work as well as some updates on session. So yeah, I feel like uh, that might be good for this Friday the 13th, <laughs> I'm going to stay on the calendar, uh, legislative session recap. Huge, huge thanks both to Jessica and Abina. And folks who are listening, thank you for being with us. We are going to put a bunch of links in the show notes for where you can watch committee hearings, how you can follow us during session. Be sure to follow us on social media. And we also want to make sure you're getting our emails and know when, where, and how to contact your legislators when it matters most. So thanks so much, Abina and Jessica. We'll talk to you both soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. 
This show is produced by Gunter Janel and Audrey Griegis. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.